Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Average Sean Podcast. As always, Chris is here with me. And Chris, I'm not going to lie. I got nothing this week. It is bone dry out there in the sports world. How are you doing? I'm good. Summer is, man, rolling along. I, I feel like fall is like two seconds away, even though summer like just started. We've got football on the rise. We've got media days going on for college. The NFL training camp has started. Hockey is completely quiet now. Uh, what else is going on? We got baseball. We got PLL. Yeah. Other than that, we've got crickets, basically. Oh, there's maybe some NBA rumblings, but eh. Uh, the NBA offseason. Yeah. I mean, that's usually more entertaining than their regular season, but still. Yeah. So, so much money. <laughs> so for what we do have, um, there are like a couple things of like news and notes, but really the only one that stands out to me, uh, PLL is Whip Snakes clip. Uh, clinched a spot in the playoffs so the first team to do it this season uh now granted all but one team clinches a spot in the playoffs so make of that what you will but whip snakes after you know losing in the championship game uh last year they they won the first two which means they were in the first two and then they lose last year so that means they've been in all three so it, it looks like we're almost destined for another either Whipsnakes championship or at least another appearance in the championship game uh, because I don't know what needs to happen to kind of break up their miniature dynasty, but my God, they're good. So miniature dynasty, I'm curious as to what you consider a dynasty considering this, this league is still so fresh. What are we considering dynasty here? If they'd won the third one. Okay, that's fair. I think dynasty kind of changes by every sport, but if that's what we're going off of, I mean, it's it's also it, it's hard to call a dynasty a dynasty like right when the league starts because the rosters were you know handpicked. Like we we've talked about it before, you know, Whipsnakes was essentially the PLL version of University of Maryland. Like almost the entirety of their roster sounds like their faceoff guy who went to Rutgers. They all played in Maryland. So it really it's it's essentially an all-star team from like each school, you know, like Atlas was team uh Johns Hopkins, Redwoods was team Notre Dame. So you're you're basically taking all-star teams and having them go up against each other. It's hard to feel like it's a dynasty if you know they're structured in such a way. Like I, I'd rather have to see like somebody actually go through the building process of the team in order to truly claim it as a dynasty. Right. So then let me ask you this, um, you know, just PLL now officially has like the, the, I guess, statistics or analytics on who's making what, you know, round and whatnot of the playoffs. And obviously we've still got a few weeks to go here, but um, if you had to pick between, I guess, the bottom three right now, Cannons, Chaos, and Redwoods, who do, who's your pick to miss out? Cannons. I, I mean, they have looked the most, troublesome between you know all of the teams and chaos i would still trust them to do just enough to sneak in the playoffs because that's kind of what they did last year made her run to the championship game and the redwoods i mean i was talking with a friend of mine who i kind of do like you know tracking of like pll picks and everything with and i basically put my balls on the table and said redwoods are going to win this game uh, even though they were not favored to win. And I, I was like, yeah, no, 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 they're, they're going to beat Atlas. 
Now, granted, Atlas without Trevor Baptiste, that was a huge factor in my mind. But still, they won the game. So Redwoods are starting to put it back together. Uh, they've they've always been a very like disciplined team, very structured. Their their biggest issue is honestly just their offense because it's very disciplined in a way. Can sometimes be really boring. So you know they're not exactly flashy. They're not you know archers who can put up a ton of goals real fast. Uh, they're not whip snakes who are both efficient and just deadly in all facets of everything, offense included. So that that was really just their big bugaboo. If they do enough to like solidify their defense, uh, Jack Kelly looks like he's starting to kind of get his swagger back uh, from being like an all-world type of goalie just a few years ago. Uh, that that's dangerous. And you know you've got TD Erlin at the faceoff stripe. He is. I wouldn't necessarily say an equalizer for all things because you know he's he's really really good but if trevor baptiste is healthy he was having an mvp like season so it's hard to call him an exact equalizer no idea how that game would have gone if uh baptiste was in from the start but i mean you got to play against the guys that you play against and and he took him to the woodshed at the faceoff stripes so cannons just don't really have anything going for them so Lyle Thompson? Oh wait, that's right. It's not a one-man sport like basketball. Well, honestly, the fact that the fact that Lyle is asked to shoulder so much of the load offensively because he's so damn good is kind of their downfall right now. I've talked about it before, but just like whatever whatever they're doing on offense, like it runs through him and you know, he's got to be the one who's initiating. He's got to be the one who's looking for everybody else. So the ball spends a lot of time in the stick. It's not exactly a, you know, a quick moving offense. And it makes it easier for defenses to play off ball if you know who the ball has to get to in order for them to run their offense. Like, okay, cool. Even if he gets the ball, we'll slide to him quickly uh, to, you know, help out. But also at the same time, you know, we can just kind of, pay more attention to these guys off ball and just see where they're going. And if you're not moving enough, then, you know, you're, you're not going to do enough to help them. So they've just, they've got nothing. Their, their defense is also pretty atrocious, which is sad to say, because they've got Brody Merrill, but I, I think father time may have caught up to Brody, at least in terms of, you know, outdoor play. If he's still playing on a, on a box field indoors, that might be a little bit different because it's a, you know, shorter so, dimensions and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But He's there for the leadership. He's not really there for the ability at this stage of his career. All right. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the home stretch. Um, you know, my water dogs sitting at a perfect 500, just kind of seem to be coasting. But you know, big big win this past week. Yeah, big win. I mean, I would like to think that that this is kind of where I, you know, I've you've heard this from me throughout regardless of the sport that we're talking about momentum is key um leading into the playoffs but then also just you know i like the kind of the blue blue collar heart you know um hard-nosed teams that have to keep fighting you know i would worry about whip snakes like okay they're in the playoffs they've known that i guess at this point for maybe a week or two maybe three like since before the all-star break and you know how much are they going to coast? You know, and and I correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it last year that we had the last seed, the last seeded team in the playoffs make it all the way to the finals? Yeah, chaos. They did just enough to get in, and they got there, Close and they, they they did the damn thing. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would like to think that, that you just, I would like to see the team being as competitive as possible. And I say that as whip snakes is probably just going to run the board now. Um, and yeah, I mean, you also nice little subtle, uh, subtle flex there with how many, how many goals archers can put up. Cause man, they, uh, <laughs> 17 this past week, right? Uh, yes. But what I will say is despite what they did this past week, looking forward to this weekend, this is really like the weekend of what I would call like determining factors of what every team's going to do for the rest of the season, because the matchups honestly shape up perfectly. Archers and Atlas, if you're an Archers fan like me, then you're basically saying like you're looking at this game going, OK, either you win this game, because even if Baptiste is back, he's going to be, you know, limping at least a little bit. He's not going to be 100 percent. You have to take advantage of that if you're Justin Inacio and the rest of the Archers team. If you can do that, then I believe you at least have a decent chance in the playoffs. It's hard to say full chance because Baptiste won't be at 100%, but at least you have a chance. If they somehow manage to lose this game and don't take advantage of the fact that, you know, they're, the MVP of the year is still hampered, then, well, I can't say they're going to break my heart because at least then I'll know come playoff time, okay, they're going to lose. It's just a matter of when. Mm. Atlas, this is kind of either another for shut-up time. You know, you're either a legitimate team this season or you you just can't you can't handle it. Can't so play with the big boys. Yeah, I mean it's you can't really rely on Baptiste staying 100 percent healthy because of how much a grind the face-off position is. So what's the rest of your team gonna do? Especially when you're used to seeing your team be really, really good in transition, but you're in like the bottom third of the league when it comes to settled offensive efficiency. That's a problem. So for them, that this is huge in terms of like, you know, solidifying their legitimacy or watching it crumble. Chrome, okay, you guys lost last week to Water Dogs. Are you legit or was the first half of the season just an anomaly? Pretty self-explanatory. Whip Snakes, uh, well, we're <laughs> they, they've really got they've got nothing to prove this week, at least to me. Um, water dogs and cannons. Okay. Water Almost dogs win. Obviously you, you stepped up against, uh, Chrome. Are you going to do what needs to be done and do what's expected of you? Because at this point you are going to be expected to beat cannons. If you don't, then sorry, you're not a contender. Cannons. Can you get off the carpet? <laughs> That's really all that needs to be said. Yeah. Water dogs better win this. <laughs> Yeah, and then Redwoods and Chaos, I'd say that this game is the one that really determines which of the bottom-tier teams has a chance to make a run. Whoever wins this game, I think, has the best chance to make a run, especially when like the, their two strengths are kind of going against each other. Chaos' strength, despite the comment I'll have about it in a second, is their offense. Redwoods is their defense. I personally would lean Redwoods on this one at, at the initial look just because... My God, the chaos offense can be infuriating at times because they're so good at operating in tight spaces that it's almost a habit for them now. Like they're not trying to be fancy with some of the passes that they jam in. I just like for them, I think it's it's just common practice to do that. So you'll see them try to, you know, throw a pass right on the crease at like the last second jamming into somebody to get a shot on cage or something like that. 
but it's almost as if they're failing to account for the fact that they're now playing against long sticks and they're not playing indoors where the option to jam the ball in is a lot more viable. You know, it's, you don't really see a whole lot of, you know, movement to get wide open. You see a lot of like two man games uh, where everybody else isn't really doing too much, but then you also just see like, okay, we're at the end of the shot clock. We got to make something happen here. And either it works and you're like, oh, cool. Like, it's really awesome how they can execute that. Or they turn the ball over and you're looking and going, what the hell are you doing? So it's kind of all or nothing with them. And and this is this is going to be my barometer for, you know, do I go into the postseason trusting them or do I just kind of write them off? Fair enough. Fair enough. Now I got a question, I guess, as we're wrapping up PLL talk here. They're in Texas this weekend. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be hot. I believe it's going to be outdoors. No, it's going to be indoors. It is indoors. Okay, I was going to say, like, that's got to be brutal. No, they're going to be at the uh, the Cowboys practice facility in Frisco. Man, good time. They, they snagged that. Maybe not Frisco. I don't know where their practice stadium is, but they're going to be at the um, Cowboys facility. Um, let's see. They are in Dallas at the Frisco. Yeah, the Ford Center. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I had it right. Um but yeah, no, they'll be indoors, so that'll definitely take care of you know the uh, the August heat or end of July heat. Yeah. All right, nice. Well, I mean, looking looking forward to the end stretch here, um, and yeah, I don't I don't I'm not, I'm not really sure what else to say. I mean, we've got like what another three four weeks of the regular season. Uh, four weeks left of the regular season, and I. I... I think the next three weeks after this are really just about seeding. It, it's not really about, you know, anything other than that. Cause I, I think at this point you're, you, you're pretty established as a team. Well, unless cannons goes on a run, that would be the only like massive. I mean, me like, yes, that's, that's a possibility, <laughs> but I don't see that happening. So I'm just going to kind of gloss over that and move on to college football. Where what, what is that college football? Yeah, we're we're not too far away, um, but I still don't think it's you know close enough to really dive deeply into college football yet. I think we could at least get into August before we do that. But just for some fun, Chris and I have a couple of teams that we either went over or under their season win total projection. Uh, surprisingly, in our pre-show meeting, Chris had to pick three brand new ones because we were on the same page for all of them. Two uh, of them. Two of the three. Okay, well, you're great minds think alike, you know, without even discussing it. That was just like the first draw of the hat was like, of course, we're both going to the same spot. Yeah. So I'll I'll just start off with my homer pick and get it out the way. Um, Yeah, I think Maryland's going to win more than five games this year. They they made it to a bowl game last year. Uh, Dante Dimas is going to come back. Hopefully he's pretty healthy. Uh, Mike Loxley said that they're expecting him back in game one. Uh, Even like the Big Ten season predictions. They're predicting teams like Indiana and some others to be even worse than Maryland. So you take a look at a game like Indiana. Normally in the past, you go, oh, that's, that's a tight one. And I mean, it's Maryland, so it might still be a tight one. But you can take a look at that and go, oh, yeah, that, that's a good chance for a win. Uh, so I'm pretty confident that the Dirty Terps are going to go over five and a half games this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I believe at media day yesterday. Um, you know, Mar- um, 
Loxley was was given some 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 love to uh, Tonga Vailoa, right? Saying that he's the most underrated quarterback in the entire NCAA, which is pretty nuts. But I mean, he's dynamic as hell. So he's also his head coach. So well, I mean, so, wait, some on. of you, that you have to take with a grain of salt. Wait, you mean to say that Media Days is nothing about pumping tires? <laughs> I would never suggest such a thing, Chris. No, never, 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 ne- <laughs> never, ever. All right. So you started with a Maryland team. I'll start with a Maryland team as well. So I have Navy, which is currently set at four and a half. And I have, I'm taking the over here. Um, and looking at their schedule, uh, the end of their schedule is pretty gnarly. Um, they finished the season, I guess, just looking at um, the middle of October onward with SMU, Houston, Temple, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and then at, F- at FCU, uh, FCU, geez, US, UCF. I can't oh, you're read. struggling today. Whew, that, those are three letters I just totally mangled. University of Central Florida. So once again, SMU, Houston, Temple, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, and Central Florida. That is a brutal back half of the schedule. However, the first half of their schedule – we have Delaware at home, Memphis at home, and Memphis is you know one of those teams that like occasionally has a hit, a big hit season. They're always frisky. Yeah, I, I but I at the same time a team like Navy, running that double double wing triple option, whatever you want to call the offense, they always seem to have luck pulling off and at least keeping these games close. Um, so once again, they start the season with Delaware, Memphis, East Carolina, Air Force. Tulsa and then the SMU game and onward. So right there, I can imagine them winning the Delaware game, being in the Memphis game, East Carolina, Air Force, you get I mean you throw the any type of I mean apparently Air Force is supposed to be a bit of a wagon this season based on their win total projections. So Okay. Sure. That, that However, might at the very least that's not the throwaway that it used to be. No, no, no. I mean and Agreed, and Navy also is not as strong as they used to be. However, you get any of those those military schools involved, and it's a coin flip. I mean, those guys, it, it, they're playing for more than football at that point, right? So, um, and then ultimately Tulsa, which, you know, that occasionally they'll have an offense that's just like crazy dynamic, but typically can't, you know, defend anything. And once again, you know, this is the, the type of offense that's not going to, you know, pass the ball more than 10 times, if not more than five. And they always seem to, to find a way to be competitive and just run the, the – obviously, they're just going to run the ball straight down the other team's throat. So I can see they, they pull off one wing and one win in the second half of the season. Temple, that's probably the most winnable game. They keep a team like Cincinnati or even Notre Dame, which notably is in Baltimore. That's a, that's a fun game. Went to multiple of those games when I was a kid, um, Navy and Notre Dame. So that at M&T Bank, you know – not saying that they'll have any chance against Notre Dame this year, but regardless, you keep them close and you never know. So I'm taking the over with Navy. Fair enough. Well, the one that you and I were on the same page with right off the bat, to which I replied to Chris going, you son of a bitch. I had that one too. Dude, great minds think alike. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the over on Kansas going uh, over two and a half wins. So not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to call my shot here. I am going to say that Kansas will have three wins by the third weekend of October when they play Oklahoma. Ooh. So here's my reason why. Tennessee Tech, start off the season. You should 
win that game. Week two, eh, possibly West Virginia. JT Daniels is their quarterback now, sure, but the program has been eh, lately. Uh, Houston, I think, is a loss. I think Dana Holgerson's gotten his his feet established there, and I think that they're going to be pretty solid this season. Agreed. Week four, you've got Duke, and I'll bring them up a little bit later, but I think largely because Kansas's quarterback is E-freaking-electric to watch, I think that's going to be the different difference maker in that game. Plus, Duke is going to fall back to complete irrelevancy in the football world now that David Cutcliffe is no longer their head coach. Uh, no clue who their new head coach is. I'm really not that concerned about it. Uh, I just think that they're going to fall off the map steeply, even compared to where they were, which was already pretty bad. So there's those. Now, I initially had one game circled as, you know, the I would probably say this is like their best chance to get their third win because I was talking to people earlier today and the way I described it initially is you never know where Kansas's third win is going to be. But in recent years, they've been surprising the hell out of some people last year, I believe it was Oklahoma Uh, year before that it was Texas uh, or at least recently before that it was Texas. So they've managed to pull a random win just straight out of their butts. Was it last year? Well, I, I, the past two years honestly blurred together so much. Actually, last but, year might have been Texas. Yeah, I was going to say there was a new uh, – maybe I'm thinking of two years ago. There was a uh, little... No, actually, so last year it was, was Texas. Both? They beat Texas 57-56 to 56 in overtime in Texas. That's right. But there, there was a notable game that they ended up losing, but it was a noon start, so 11 a.m. start their time. Oklahoma. It, it was definitely the Oklahoma game. They ended up losing it. But those are the types of games where, you know, a, a, an underdog like Kansas is definitely going to be more pumped up. And once again, it's a, you know, it's an easy game to overlook when you're in Oklahoma, right? When when you're a Texas, um, which by the way, what is Texas when uh, set at? They're projected to be pretty decent this year. Um, but going on to what I was saying, the first two weekends of October – are prime opportunities for them because they both both games are in Lawrence and normally you would say like oh the home crowd's going to be a factor but in reality I think what's going to be the big factor is that it's going to be really hard to play in a stadium that's likely to have less fans than, than these kids had at any of their high school football games like that's just got to be weird yeah. so I, I'm not expecting a ton of people to be in the stadium and I'm expecting that to have like the a more unnerving effect, or at least the possibility of it, uh, especially when you get to the second weekend of October. Now, Iowa State, they have a penchant for underperforming, so I feel like that's just a possibility for them to steal one. Week two of October was the one that suddenly like the light bulb went off of, oh, this is a real opportunity here because TCU is starting fresh with their program. They have a new head coach. Gary Patterson's not there anymore. So frankly, we have no clue what they're going to be. And they were not good last year. Uh, they beat Kansas only by three, and that was in Fort Worth. So now you're going to Lawrence. You've got Kansas's staff has a year under their belt. You've got, as I mentioned, the absolutely electric quarterback. And TCU, you don't have any clue what they have. So. I'm fairly confident that by October 9th, the day after the TCU game, 
Kansas will have at least three wins. All right, fair enough. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I, we were talking about Kansas before we started uh, recording, obviously. And man, I mean, they've they're they're kind of just re slowly but surely rebuilding that program. Obviously, they've got Buffalo's old coach out there, and uh, you didn't mention him at all. But the quarterback, Jake Bean, man. I did mention him. I just didn't remember his name. And I was hoping that we could get through that without you mentioning that part. So thanks for putting me under the bus there, Chris. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I, I said electric quarterback at least twice. <laughs> yeah, we didn't say his name. He deserves some name recognition, man. It's all about that NIL, right? Yes. And I realize how terrible of a person I am for not remembering his name. So let's go ahead and move on to your second team. All right. So my second team. Uh, so... You went uh, Midwest. I'm going to go Midwest or pseudo Midwest. We'll call it Midwest. So I'm going to take Indiana. And they are currently set at four. Now, I'm going to take the over here. They're non-conference. They have Idaho, Western Kentucky. Okay, cool. Those should be two very winnable games. And then they're at Cincinnati. They'll probably get smacked. But you have to remember, two years ago, they went, they had a six-win season that a COVID-impacted season, so they went six and two. Last year, they took a huge step back. Right, they struggled a ton with injuries, um, and they only ended up winning two two games. And actually, I, if I remember correctly, leading into the season, I was pretty high on them, and so I'm not going huge high on them this time. But I'm just saying an over four. Um, they they play Illinois, Idaho. In Western um, Kentucky in the first three three weeks of the season. So once again, Illinois, Indiana, that's probably going to be a toss-up game. So an easy game for them to pull out. Idaho should be a win, and Western Kentucky should be a win. Um, and then they, they get to face Michigan and Penn State later on, both at home, though. And once again, I believe it was two, in 2020, um, they almost beat Penn State at home. So, you know, you get those late November, even October games, and it's sloppy out there, right? You start getting some snow. The field's kind of all over the place. Um, Quarterback-wise, it'll be interesting. They've kind of got a, a battle going on. They're, they lost their uh, Michael Penix Jr. to Washington State, I believe. He went somewhere at, in Pac-12 land. Um, but regardless, they're keeping majority of their defense intact. And um, they have several starters uh, that from Power Five teams that transferred to their. Um, so they were starters last year, moving up to a Big Ten team. Um, so once again, an over four for Indiana. All right. Well, Chris, get your third one ready to go because I'm going to waste no time with my third one. My third one is Duke, and it's under three and a half wins. Why? Because fuck Duke. That's why. All right. Well, I got one for you, too. That'll be a real quick one. I, I'll let you do the, the homage on this. So I believe that was the right, the right use of that word. So JMU notably making the jump, right, from F, FCS level to the top, top tier FBS. Um, if we're still calling it that, like, what do we, what, just a D1. It, it's D, level, D, right? D1 um, single A. Sun belt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, fun belt. it's called that for now. Well, yeah, fun belt, right? Uh, so, you know, making the jump, uh, you know, Jamie has been a powerhouse in the FCS. Well, their win total set six and a half, and I'm sorry. I just don't see that happening. They're not going to have the easy teams to beat up on. 
as much anymore. Not to say, well, they'll have easier teams, but once again, this is a nat- this is a full step up. It's not like every other week. This is a full step up. I don't see them winning seven games. The only thing that makes me slightly hesitant with that is one JMU has a knack for annoying the crap out of me. So true. Well, that's why I thought you were gonna say fuck JMU. Well, okay, sure, fine. <laughs> fuck JMU. Um, but also their football schedule isn't like the worst in the world. Like they got Middle Tennessee State and Norfolk State to start the season. Those both seem winnable to me. Um the rest of the teams, like the only one that should be like a for sure loss is like Coastal Carolina, if they're anything like they were last year, and Louisville. But it, the other thing that gives me a brief second of pause is just, you know, in, in years past, we've seen more and more FCS teams pulling off upsets against FBS teams. And knowing that JMU has a knack for annoying me, <laughs> I could see I could see them going over just out of the fact that it, it's just JMU. That it really could be that simple. So as simple as my Duke explanation was, my hesitancy for JMU is also pretty simple. Six and a half, man. I, I, I know. Um, they're only playing 11 games, too, which is – that makes it trickier. Um, so they, they've got one less game on this. If you're taking over. Oh, no. I'm not expecting them to do this. <laughs> I'm saying – I'm going to do the sports broadcaster thing, and I'm going to say that if they do it, there won't be an ounce of my body that is shocked. Uh, I don't know the track record. Yeah, I mean, sure, we've had FCS teams competing with FBS teams lately. Uh, well, we'll say for the past 15, 20 years, uh, you know, was throwing some love to the Appalachian State team a while back. But um, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> well, you can find your train later. Let's move on with the under. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to our last subject. I don't have a trivia question for everybody this week. So the answer to last week's question uh, was the Texas Rangers. They have the newest stadium in the MLB. Uh, So this week we're going to do a quick top four. Uh, Chris, I'm not going to lie. I don't have honorable mentions because it's, it's a pretty small list that you can create out of this to begin with. But this week is going to be top four. If in your ideal sports calendar, what events need to happen? for you to have like your favorite, you know, sports year. So it could be a specific day. It could be like a whole series of stuff. You just have to be specific on, you know, the, basically the event kind of has to have a title to it. Even if it's like an unofficial title, like opening day of baseball, like it has to have a name to it. So I believe I led off last week. So I'll let you lead off this week. All right. So um, contrary to what you thought I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I might save my, my predictable one for a little later, but my 1-1, one, one, sticking with the hockey realm, is going with the Winter Classic. That is and has been for so long, regardless of who's playing in it, just something that, you know, it's it rings in the new year. Um, you know, we've seen some some great, like, outdoor spectacles. It's great for the sport. Um, they, you know, does the NHL overdo the whole outdoor thing at this point because they do stadium series and whatnot? Sure, but regardless, it's a fun event across the board. I, I could care less. You know, the Caps have been in the stadium series, and it's still a fun time. I've been to it. Um, so I'm going Winter Classic. It's just like, hey, the New Year's here. Bada bing, bada boom. We're starting off with a beautiful outdoor game. And what's also cool is that, like, while everyone else is watching football, which, once again, I'm going to probably bring up a little later, but while everyone else is watching football, 
you get a smack dab hockey, great hockey game in the middle of the day. Fair point. Well, I know that you're going to take your more obvious one later because I, I think you also trust me to not be a jerk and steal it. Uh, so I'm going to go with my genuine one, one, uh, not saying that the winter classic wasn't, I just thought your one, one would be the other one. Uh, the but other my, one. <laughs> my, uh, top choice is specifically the first weekend of, of March madness. The rest of March madness is good. You get the best teams, but the first weekend where you literally have wall to wall games all day for four straight days. I mean, chef's kiss in terms of just fun watch. Plus, you get all like the crazy upsets that will come out of it. I mean, that's where St. Peter's started their run. So the, the first weekend of March Madness, to me, is the best just time frame of sports. Yeah, I mean, to the point where that almost made my list. And I'm not even like a huge diehard, like, you know, college basketball fan. I, I, I love March Madness, but not to the level that you do. And um, yeah, it's great. I mean, March, March Madness has always been great for a casual fan, which is part yes. of the reason why it also appeals to the regular fans, because then you just have more people joining in and having fun with you. Totally. Plus, great time to be a gambler. Well, in recent years, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the uh, the $700 that I made while I was in Pennsylvania on March Madness, thank you. Hey, I mean, $700, I can think of a lot of things that you can do with that. Uh, it paid for my entire weekend in Pennsylvania. Oh, how did I know you were going to say it paid for bills? Why are we all got to be an adult now? <laughs> because I'm responsible, Chris, uh, or at least I try to be. Yeah. So. All right. So with my second selection, I'm going similar vein as you, but I'm going for the entire NCAA bowl season. And obviously, I don't know what it's going to look like in two years, right, with everything changing. But from the time I was a kid, man, I mean, it, it's it's a rare moment in time where you get random Tuesday games, where you get random Wednesday games, you know, and Thursday games that are competitive. And, you know, honestly, it's it was always cool and still is cool watching like a random like Ball State versus Central Michigan, you know, on like December 20th. Right. That's a, that might be a Tuesday. It's like you come home from work, you know, you're, you're or school and you're slugging out the, the, the final days and it's like, Sweet, I've got football tonight to consume my life. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and it's always like kind of like it. It starts off with a bang. Obviously, you get the whole and the 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 championships, uh, conference championships, and that's exciting. The bowl season starts off with a bang, and uh, honestly, I will say it has lacked some luster the past few years because it feels like bowl season is just diminishing. Um, but like, man, I think about back when I was a kid. It's like, like you're ready to go. You got good football on every night of the week, basically between NFL and those bowl games. Um, so yeah, NCAA bowl season. So I'm going to stick with the college football vein, but I'm going to go it, at the complete opposite end of the spectrum from you. And I'm going to say opening weekend of the college football season because that's honestly like that's when every team, even if you know you don't have hope. At least to win There's the title, like at least to win the title, like that's where you have hope that like your team could have a surprisingly good season. You know, if you're not particularly a great team, if you're, you know, the Michigans of the world, that's hope that you could do what you did last year and make the college football playoff for the first time, and also beat Ohio State. So, I I also just enjoy that that's kind of like the kickoff to fall, 
Um, I am very happy that the NFL seems to have kind of like, I don't know if it's spoken or unspoken behind closed doors, but at least publicly, there's an unspoken agreement that the NFL is just going to let college football have that weekend. And, you know, I've, I've said this before. I will stick with this gut feeling throughout the rest of my life. College sports is better, at least in terms of atmosphere, because of student sections. Like, I'd, I'd say that's better than professional sports, like, regardless of what sport you're in. Now, obviously, you have your cities here and there that definitely make a run for their money. But the overwhelming number of student sections, now, granted, there's also an overwhelming number of colleges in comparison to pro teams. But essentially, there's a greater quantity of awesome student sections that you can watch do, like, ridiculous student section things. As opposed to, you know, college cities that are super, like, entertaining or anything like that. So, give, give me a college to start things off, and, and I will stick with that. Yeah, I mean, that's great, too. And I, I love the whole ringing in the fall thing. I mean, we just went through an absolute brutal stretch of heat, and I think we're all ready for some some cooler temps. <laughs> I mean, we always are by the time that college football season comes around. Like, it's the perfect sign of, like, Yes, this we're going to get back to livable temperatures again. Yeah, for like a few weeks. <laughs> e- either way. All right, sir, your third pick. All right, so my third pick, I'm going with the NHL playoffs. I mean, enough said. I, if I could, I would pick the whole season, but NHL playoffs is just like a month, month and a half of just teams just beating the living shit out of each other. And yeah, best man is left standing. So n- no more needed. All right, well, I'm going to... For my third pick, I'm going to go something a little bit more mainstream, and I'm going to hope that you don't take my fourth pick. Otherwise, I'm scrambling. Uh, but I'm going to go first weekend of NFL playoffs. Oh, that was my fourth pick. Ooh. Oh. Oh, now i got to scramble. Okay, <laughs> continue. So I- I'm a quantity kind of guy, and, you know, there are some games that are always, you know, going to be stinkers, like Oakland-Cincinnati this this past year wasn't a great game but you have more opportunities for more chaos to happen and frankly yeah the super bowl is like the culminating event of the nfl season but it's kind of rare that you get a good super bowl truth so you know it's it's one of those where instead of teams having like two weeks to prepare for each other and one team is usually like strictly outclassing the other yeah this one yeah you, you can have some fun with it you know, it's yeah, no. I mean, I, I think Cincinnati and, and the Rams was a good game this past year. But I mean, you think back to a few years ago with that, uh, what was it like New England and the Rams game when I think there was maybe like one touchdown scored the entire game. The, the Super Bowls, it's a crapshoot. And I'd at least take a crapshoot that gives me more opportunity for fun, which is what the first weekend of the NFL playoffs gives me rather than just one game. And if it's a total dud, you have a sour taste in your mouth. True. I mean, and just from the overall like physical standpoint of it, I get it that there's, you know, it's as the season overall is winding down. I think that's the best football being played all year in that wild card weekend, to be completely honest, kind of like in the NHL playoffs, the first series. I And I could even argue until the second series is the best hockey played all year. And then there's an there's a drastic drop off because of scheduling, you know, obviously weather for is an impact for any for NFL at that point and so on and so forth so good selection man Uh, all right well i i put you on the scramble did you come up with something 
so I really wanted to stray away from hockey because I'm I'm sticking with a, a, a clear theme here. Um, Did I force you back to it? I think you might have forced me back to it and kind of going a little off the walls here. So changing it up a bit, but um, doesn't get a lot of love in America. Well, it, it, outside of the hockey world, but the World Junior Classic is always played between Christmas and New Year's. Well, and Christmas and technically January 6th is the, always when it ends. Um, but it's essentially like a, a, a mini Euro type of tournament, and it includes um, the best under 20 um, hockey players from eight countries, you know, the typical powerhouses of Canada, US, Sweden, Finland. Um, typically, there's some some wild card teams in there like Slovakia or Czech Republic and, and Russia, if they're allowed to compete. and um a norway and whatnot and what's always cool is that you get it's a mix of like guys that are still playing juniors guys that are playing college and then you even have some nhl teams that'll loan their their younger players like freshly drafted to play and represent their countries and so it's just this nice melting like melting pot and then on top of that it always falls they, they typically put it in like A northern city so you get the holiday vibe you've got snow on the ground outside there's just it's it's a it's a short week and a half long tournament that has a round robin and then you know you play through knockout stages and it's typically pretty good hockey and um it's huge for scouting for for years to come and um yeah it's just always a good time so world junior classic for sure sorry to stick with like such hockey bias but <laughs> I mean, hey, You stole it, my NFL one. <laughs> it's it's a fair point. Um, now, I'm going to go a little bit off the wall for my fourth one. And I'm going to preface this by saying I can't stand watching the club level because it's impossible for me to keep track of. But you give me group play of the World Cup for soccer. Talk about both quality and quantity. Yeah. You know, sure you know group play like you're only getting like maybe one or two good matchups in each group because there's always like a, a sorry i hate to say this about them but no i don't north korea who you know gets their butts kicked like seven nothing each game but at the same time you know it, it's a lot easier to keep track of who plays for what team because you're playing for your country although apparently there have been some you know visa changes or citizenship change what, whatever i just i like to try to keep it simple Uh, I will say that this year will probably not be the same because Qatar seems to be doing everything that they can to eliminate fun from the World Cup for fans. Uh, FIFA's corrupt, but we all knew that. But either way, you get all that together. And, and when you get to like the elimination stage, you're like, oh, man, this is coming to an end. Like with group play, you're just like, oh, great. Like I got another day of like four more uh, four more matches to watch tomorrow. This is awesome. Yeah. And it's like that for like, what, two weeks? Yeah. So group play of World Cup is amazing. And I honestly, I saved it for this long just because I figured you weren't going to go for it. And I'm very happy that I was correct. Man, we're just like lining up with a lot of stuff. And I will say, I'm surprised you didn't say NCAA lacrosse playoffs. I wanted to, but it's rare that you get a whole weekend of really, really good games in uh, the NCAA lacrosse playoffs. So it, it just didn't jump to mind. Like when I think of events that like 
are ultimate levels of fun. I mean, granted, like the World Cup has the advantage of only coming every four years. So it's got that extra anticipation to it. True. So that that kind of gave it the edge to me. Fair enough. I mean, I, I definitely can't argue that. It is an ex- and it's an exciting time. And we get a nice little winter one, even though it's still going to be like 90 degrees there. <laughs> yep. And on Thanks, that note, FIFA. we're uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Uh, we should be back with some more content next week because preseason's right around the corner from then. Uh, but we will see you guys next time.